Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. 144 hardcore episode. Steve Smee here, the mobster from across the pond. How you doing? Oh, good. Let's hit it. So this one, guys, we're going to do Kai Green. He's known as the Predator. He's one of the greatest bodybuilders in the modern area of the sport. He's won a bunch of competitions. He's placed high at Mr. Olympia. And he's become recognized worldwide for his incredible physique and incredible po- uh, popularity and his uh, personality as well. He was in the uh, box office documentary called Generation Iron. And then that got his own supplement brand launched. And, you know, he's had an interesting story, guys. He didn't have always a great life growing up. He had a tough childhood, spent most of his life in foster homes, and there's a lot of information out there that he was orphaned, which Mobster is going to get into, orphaned at six years old, uh, which, you know, is not exactly, might not exactly be the case, but Mobster is going to get kind of get into that a little bit. But first, the stats, um, his weight, 265 to 275, five foot eight, 22-inch arms, 58-inch chest, thighs, 33 inches. He was bored in 1975. And he was born in Brooklyn, New York, a, a tough area of the country. So, um, you know, let's talk about his, his childhood a little bit. Um, so, Mobster, you want to kind of dig into a little bit? Because it says yeah. online from what I've seen that he was orphaned at six and raised in foster homes for the next 10 years until he was a teenager. But you... You found some interesting yeah. things about that. I, I would say that's what I was, wasn't sure if that was 100% accurate, purely and simply because previous reports suggested that he was what is sometimes described as a ward of court or ward of the county, which means um, not necessarily that the parents have passed away, but sometimes that they're unfit parents and the police and then the state have taken you into care for your own uh, benefit. And at both a combination of foster homes, orphanages, etc., then spends the rest of their time bringing you up as a child. Um, you've got stuff we're talking about uh, Kai as an artist, even in those days. Um, he talks about in an interview that I did for the pre-show research, not being able to uh, read properly until he was the age of 16. He did stuff like uh, street entertainment. I believe there was a comment in one place saying that he was uh, doing a, a, a muscle slash dance type posing thing down in Times Square. And stuff like that. So, I mean, it's we 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 did um, in the previous uh, podcast, Victor Martinez, and talking about some of the stuff, and not Victor Martinez, sorry, um, Larry Wills, and Larry Wills's background, and being a young man and being brought up in a similar and influenced by certain people. Kai had that kind of whole vibe, especially when he was younger. And in fact, it kind of occurred to me, and we touched on it very briefly in the pre-show, that some of his journey as happened as a bodybuilder, and those of us that followed the sport for more than five minutes will have seen kind of what him turning into a professional bodybuilder, not just a bodybuilder, but a professional and a man 
almost later than you'd expect him to. He's got, I mean, there's a photograph on, on um, the, the, the link that you and I did some research from. At the age of 17, he's got a very muscular physique. I've seen photographs of him uh, under the age of 20 on stage looking uh, like a very good bodybuilder there, but not the freak, not the predator that we got to know. And when, when you think about how he's presented himself in the past and even mistakes that he's made and where he is now, outside of bodybuilding, as you well know, with TV shows that he's appeared on, he's done stage shows of his own, poetry stuff and all the rest of it. It's very much to me a kind of man growing into himself. So the background he's had is definitely not run of the mill bodybuilder. No way, no how. We're not talking about any of the other athletes we've done with the possible exception of Larry Wills has anything like this kind of journey. And even Larry's issue was of course that they included drugs. I don't I don't believe that there's been a mention of uh, recreational or anything like this in in um, Kai's uh, life. But yeah, you we, we, oh, the, Kai has come across, like I said, I think it's very too much to my mind, is, is his journey into becoming what we would call a grown-ass man has been in front of us in the magazines and in the videos that we've seen. He's had very good mentors, I can think of, and stuff like that, and all of these people have helped him, encouraged him to read, encouraged him to grow into himself, encouraged him to be the businessman that he's become. But we've seen this for ourselves, very much in front of us, very much a sort of... Uh, is him at school kind of learning how to be what he is now. So it's definitely a, a very interesting guy in that particular way, uh, Steve. In middle school, the reports say that he had an English teacher who saw this guy had potential for bodybuilding and got him into bodybuilding. So, you know, over the course of our lives, we've had people to inspire us. You know, yeah. we all know how to read and write because of a teacher. We all know how to weight train because of a teacher. Or we read a book or we saw a video on how to do it. So we learn, or we learn from watching someone in the gym, everything, it could be fishing, it could be gardening, it could be anything, you know, some, any, anything out there that we do, you know, we, we got taught. So it's important for you in life, you know, life is too short, you know, you're going to be on and off of this planet in 70 or 80 years. So you want to spend your time teaching others stuff so that when you pass away, they can carry those teachings onto another piece and that's how we advanced as a you know as a society and as human beings and we keep progressing so he had that and you know those people who helped him through that kept him from going down the round the wrong route yeah. that he was yeah. headed in so he found he found something special which was was bodybuilding something that's not going to touch on before we get into the, the, the other stuff that we would normally cover in a podcast this training nutrition steroids etc it's interesting on two, two levels. One is that every single person that does podcasts like us, and in fact, even outside of Evolutionary Elite, et cetera, but you, you just did a podcast, a four-man podcast recently. Every single person on there agrees on doing exactly what you just said. We are trying to mentor those people listening to us, and we're trying to help in our own way, individually sometimes, and very much our own individual way, to help those listening to the podcast to, to make the right choices, to grow into the bodybuilders and successful athletes they become. And something that's interesting to me and just occurred to me, now we know for a fact that Kai's had some really good mentors in the past, business, bodybuilding, artistic, et cetera, school, as you mentioned already. But think about it, Steve, a lot of the stuff that he does now is him giving back. He's kind of influencing people, positive thoughts constantly. He's quite the motivator. 
he, he's done several videos all of his own, not necessarily, he's done the videos with other people, but he's done a bunch of videos where you just, he, he'll spend 20 minutes just telling you how to train your biceps. And this is a top level, you're not getting Phil Heath doing an article or whatever else. Very rarely will you see that, but what, this is like, I've decided today I'm going to teach you how to train your biceps, and this is what I do, and this is a twist and stuff like this. This is Kai Green with combined total of in excess of 7 million across Facebook, Instagram, uh, it's, it's nearly 12, it's 12, over 12 million, Steve. I'm just looking at the numbers now. Over 12 million uh, followers from the two different channels on their own. Funny enough, not that many on YouTube. And yet he's very visual. Instagram, especially doing these kind of videos, showing you how to train on equipment at home, showing you how to train during COVID, talking about motivational stuff. He encourages his followers to go out and read and educate. He encourages them to look at art, to look at drama, to look at these other things, to broaden how he has been become broadened in terms of his views on the world, et cetera, et cetera. And if nothing else, it's encourage him, look, this is the place I came from. This is where I am now. I'm on TV. I'm in movies. I'm doing this stuff. I, I come across in an eloquent way. I speak well. I come across as though a man has been educated by everything around me. I don't have a, a, a kind of a vibe that makes you feel that he's still struggling or whatever else. It's very much kind of, this is, this is I've, I've come to this place. And, he, and that comes to his followers. Obviously, a lot of it is because he's very good at the social media side of things and he's become that guy. And of course, also, as has happened with other bodybuilders in the past, very much because he's one of those people that people think should have won the Mr. Olympia. So almost he's almost, but not quite as successful in his one chosen field, sometimes endears him to people. So that's the reason we has those followers too. But he does make a point of trying to educate, entertain, get people to broaden their, their horizons. And that's that's it. Every single thing that he does. The only if I was being critical especially in the park, I can think of two things. One is the infamous, rather foolish thing that he did with the grapefruit, which we won't get into too much, that's quite well known. And the other thing is, of course, that he came across almost too verbose in the past, not, not just over-talkative, which I myself can be guilty of, but sometimes like he's taking, you know, 10 words when one, one I've done, and he's read all the whole, you know, dictionary and swallowed it and then was spitting it out, almost trying too hard. But uh, that still happens from time to time. But a lot of it is, I've seen him interviewing other people and he's very good at interviewing other people. And he brings out from them these kind of backgrounds and the same sort of thing he's adding himself and finds out what motivates them and drives them. And he's surprisingly good at that. I think he's quite comfortable in front of a camera. Not a lot of bodybuilders are. And he's, he's quite happy to think of the all the different facets of things that are going on. What happens behind the camera? What happens in front? How much is this going to influence people? So in that particular way, that makes him a very professional, professional bodybuilder, Steve. He started competing really young. His first MPC competition was 22 years old, and he wasn't just going on there to mess around. He, his goal was to win it. He placed a close second, and that was an amazing achievement for a guy, only 22. So... Once he got his pro card, he found it kind of hard. Uh, he couldn't replicate his performances in the when from the team shows when he was blowing everyone away. So he placed third and sixth at the 98 NPCs and 99 World Amateur Championship. So, but he ended up in the, by the end of the 1999, he had established himself by winning the NPC Team Universe Championship that year. So he kind of 
started a little slow once his competition got tougher and then he, he worked his way up. So everyone wants to know, um, you know, how, how he did at the big show. So we can go back to uh, the 2009 Mr. Olympia, fourth place. 2010 Mr. Olympia, seventh place. 2011 Mr. Olympia, third place. 2012 Mr. Olympia, second place. 2013 Mr. Olympia, second place. A lot of his fans were upset over this. 2014 Mr. Olympia, again, second place. So three straight years of getting second place in Mr. Olympia. I think of a lot of his fans thought that he should have won that. Mobster, what do you think about that? I've seen a couple of, I've seen a few of these competitions and certainly the back and forth between him and Phil Heath. Uh, uh, Kai Green's physique is incredibly well developed. And as I said, in terms of his, the stuff that he was doing on the street back in the day, that makes him a really good and sometimes innovative poser. And if you've ever seen any of his guest posing, he does crazy stuff with outfits. A lot of the bodybuilders have tried, but never really stuck to. He does all the time. He's got some crazy, crazy videos of him uh, posing and, this kind of stuff over in India. On stage, uh, I think the only, he was unfortunate to come up against Phil Heath. Phil Heath had that 3D physique going on. But, I mean, he's got amazingly low lats. He's got striated quads when he's in condition. He's the, the numbers, even the numbers you mentioned earlier on, Steve, I believe that he walks around at 300 pounds pretty much now, and he hasn't been on a pro stage in like forever, several, certainly several years and still walks around looking like an amazing bodybuilder. I think it was one of those things where it was, you either liked his physique 100% or you didn't. And if you come up against that, that lineup when Phil Heath was probably at his best or very, very close to his best, you're going to struggle. And we've seen this in a bunch of competitions, whether it's Jay Cutler and Ronnie Coleman and a bunch of other bodybuilders around that time to go, you know, could have gone either way. Certainly there were two competitions where it could have gone either way. And perhaps the, one of the silly little things that might have held him back was that they was, their rivalry at times was so intense that there were certain bumping into each other on stage, deliberately or otherwise, which they kind of talk about now almost laughing. But at the time, it was quite serious, whether it was touching elbows on the double bicep, not giving each other enough room, trying to do that little bit more show uh, stage dominance. I'm here, this guy's second to me, stepping in front. And you had stuff like Kai swinging his braided uh, ponytail into Phil's face and Phil... But, looking at the judges going, what the hell, what's going on? And then one of the the, show, the stage fellas have to come on and separate them. And, you know, people talking about how it's going to become fisticuffs. And what's kind of cool now, both of them off stage film, maybe, maybe not going back on stage or whatever else, is that they've kind of talked about it and said, what we failed to appreciate at the time is just how intense we both were as bodybuilders and how much we both wanted to win. And this came across in a very negative way for us on stage, but it basically they were both having the same traits. I want to win. This guy's second. Get the fuck out of my face. You, you shouldn't even be next to me on stage. And in reality, of course, you've got 50% of the crowd going kite, 50% of the crowd going through. There were certainly two competitions from my perspective where I wouldn't have cried any uh, tears if Kai had won over Phil and vice versa. And in fact, arguably, of course, they made it a much more interesting competition and having the guy ringing six, seven, eight times in the damn row, which, you know, you, you kind of almost want something where it's real close and someone wins this year and then comes back the next year and wins. And that makes for a much more interesting competition. To use the analogy that you'll be familiar with, Steve, it's the same bowl, same team on the Super Bowl for 10, 15 years running. It'd be great as a statistic, but it'd be kind of boring to watch. 
you want someone else to come in as the underdog and take over. So yeah, if, if it would have been good for the competition and good for bodybuilding if he had one. But as I say, come up against that 3D physique that Phil he was presenting. And perhaps, arguably, Phil was better as a bodybuilder on stage for competition than Kai Green as a bodybuilder full stop for everything else, as we've seen with everything else that he's done since. Back to you. So what's he doing now? He's um, he's definitely Ooh. been getting a lot of he's got 6.5 million followers on instagram so when you have that many followers on instagram guys um you know business is booming he's able to monetize that he's got a, a redcon rider rare rain body fuel he's got a train with kai website you go on that website he's got tons of things to buy e custom tons of books yeah. deals on all kinds of, a custom meal plan I mean, the business is rolling in. I mean, he's got a lot of, um, you know, he'll sell a meal plan to 100 people a month, and that's thousands of dollars coming in. So I'm sure he's got people, you know, helping him with this, sending up all this and just slapping his name on it. And he gets a huge cut of that. So that's how these guys make money. When you have a big following on social media, you're able to monetize it that way. Jump in my I'm going to say he, he's probably one of the most financially successful bodybuilders without admitting to it of all the bodybuilders that we can think of with the possible exception of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to tell you for why, Steve. He's got ebooks he gives away free or he'll do like 20 ebooks for $100 or something. There's deals all the time. If he's not getting a couple of hundred thousand dollars from Powertech, I'll be very surprised. He went from his own company over to uh, Redcon. I'm talk, I, my gut says that's a million-dollar contract right there, right up there with Rami's kind of numbers, right up there with Phil Heath's kind of numbers, etc. And as I mentioned already, he's done his own stage shows selling out. He's done stuff at Comic-Con. He's had his own comic artwork published. He's had paintings that he probably sells. I, I wouldn't be surprised, Steve, if he was up there in terms of Jay Cutler's financial savvy, especially if he's got someone alongside him who knows what how to do these kind of things. And if he's not hitting through the social media, through everything else that he's doing, two or $3 million a year and not being on stage, I'd be incredibly surprised. I, definitely, if he's not, I would, I was, I'm going to say that if he's not already a multi-millionaire with that kind of money stashed away, he will be very, very, very soon. And I can't see that he's, um, to use the euphemism, spunk in it. He's not, we're not talking about Bentley's here and whatever else. In fact, in, in the Generation 9 video, they kind of downplayed the fact that he did have a four-bedroom house and a suburb by having to go back to the place that he still had in the projects to, to get that kind of gritty sense of realism of him sort of training for the in the Generation 9 video. But uh, so <laughs> he's got two houses at least, or two places to live at least, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I think he's also one of those guys who's doing a bit of work, bit of business every single Monday through Sunday. There's something going on that he's making money out of from. And hopefully he's got a really good team behind him. Maybe Redcon manages all that for him now. I don't know. But with everything that he's got, I reckon, my gut says $2 million a year minimum coming in. What he has to spend out, I don't know. And if he's not a multi-millionaire in the next couple of years, I'll be, you know, I'll read my hat, the one I've got on my head right now. Yeah, I mean, spending habits of people can dictate that. Some people just don't know how to save money. They just spend, spend like maniacs. 
But yeah, I mean, he's got so much money coming in on a day-to-day basis just from Multiple selling strings. all these meal programs and eBooks and, and all these contracts he has, like Monster was saying. So it's it's easy money for him. He's set for life as long as he doesn't squander it and, and do stupid things with it. So let's get into his training and diet, Monster. Uh, you're the training guru. Uh, tell us a little bit about his training style. I'll tell you what it was. I, I, there's, there's a couple of articles out there. got over specifics of training, et cetera. But something stuck in my mind in the pre-show research. And that is that there's been a few bodybuilders that have trained with it. As I said, you can go online and find videos of Kai showing you how to train your biceps. But he's one of these guys that's taking 45, 50 minutes to warm up. It's almost like a workout, working out with him, just getting ready for the workout. And I'm thinking of Blessing and a few others that have trained with him at the Redcon One gym and other places. We've seen him training or whatever else. And, and they said, if you come in there, you're going to train legs with Kai. He'll spend 30 minutes stretching, 15 to 20 minutes warming up. There's 50 minutes in the gym and we haven't touched a barbell. And then in terms of the actual training stuff, and of course, articles online will give you a glimpse. Those guys that are trained with them are said, and maybe it's one of those things like Sean Wade does sometimes. They come into the gym, they come to the train with me, I'll fuck them up. Maybe there's a bit of that going on. But my guess is, he's a very high volume bodybuilder. He, he, he takes his time in between sets. When he was doing the stuff that we've seen documentaries on in terms of his training, wasn't the pace wasn't fast, but the weights were big, the volume was high. And I think he's also very much what they call a mental bodybuilder. In fact, there was a quote that I was looking at, may even be in the pre-show research article that we referred to. We're talking about taking his mind into a certain place and having the body follow it. So there's very much a case for me, I think, of him say, for example, with squats. We've seen him do a six-plate squats, ass to the grass, Jefferson squats was the one with the bubble between your knees and have a bunch of stuff. And we're talking 12, 15 reps all the time. So we're talking higher volume. We're talking multiple sets, multiple exercises. And I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that's going to be two hours in the gym. But it might also be, and I don't know about you, Steve, I think sometimes for me, especially if I train early, it kind of sets the, the, the pace or, or sets the day up well. And maybe this is what Kyle Green is, and especially if he's as busy as we think he is. So if he's as busy as we think he is, this is a time where it's just me and a barber, just me and, and the weights. And I'm going to spend two hours in here and getting my head straight. And then I'm going to go out and grab the world by his bollocks. And I'm going to do all this kind of business and do all the social media stuff. So maybe there's an element of that as well. I don't get the impression that he's what a person that needs to go to a big gym and train around lots of people. There's lots of stuff there that's suggesting he has done that. But he's also, again, I think he's one of those athletes, funny enough, like Phil Heath again. He'll go in there at unsociable hours. We'll go in there when all the business for the day is done. He'll train at five o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. Phil Heath got up, uh, 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 stuff recently when he was training at one in the morning at Armborough. So I suspect Kai's like that. He doesn't need to be there at five when it's all crazy or 11 in the morning when it's all crazy. And he can, probably one of those guys also that can get a workout in anywhere, whether that's the mind-muscle connection or taking lightweights and doing hundreds of reps or going to a hardcore gym, putting six plates on and, and burying those for 15 reps on a squat. So he's very much that kind of body, but he might also, and again, I'm thinking positive of his physique, the way he was put together when he was young, the way that he looks now, being 300 pounds, even for the stuff that doesn't require you to be 300 pounds, like TV, et cetera. I suspect he's one of those guys with a really strong mind-muscle connection. So he'll get more out of a 30-pound dumbbell call than you and I would, and equally you'll see him bench four, five plates, squat six plates, and so on and so forth, and still move this for a really fantastic range of motion. And that's something actually I was probably going to add to that as well. 
the few videos I can think of, again, these are from a couple of years ago, is very good form. This is not sloppy training or whatever, Steve. This is full range of motion and kind of slow. It's not a fast lifter or whatever else. So that my muscle connection from the full range of motion, the strictness and the speed is not super fast, not explosive. It's not trying to get the stuff from A to B like I would. Yeah, that that's that's going to, to be, to be crude, that's going to fuck you up good. Now, if he could do that for two hours, and there's a bunch of other very young, stronger bodybuilders that should, I say stronger, should be stronger, bodybuilders coming in and saying, this is 50-minute warm-up that killed me, and then we start lifting, that's, 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 that's a, a very good indication of the kind of trainer that is. And as I said, not just something for himself in the gym, but putting that information out there for other people. So you can watch what he does, and you'll probably learn something just from how he trains and watching him train which you won't always get from other bodybuilders. A lot of the time, actual training stuff can be boring. If it ain't crazy, it's boring. Kai, I think, is one of those things, well, hang on, I'm learning something. Look at, the, look at the way he's using his hands. Look at the way he's positioned his feet. And if he's not doing a natural educational video, you're still getting that just watching him train. Yeah, back to you. So let's get into his diet a little bit. Then we're going to talk about his steroid use. Everyone wants to know about yeah. the steroid use. Always. So guys, his diet here, very, very simple diet. Um, a pre-contest diet for him, steak, beef, eggs, rice, chicken, salad, sweet potatoes, avocado, nuts, vegetables, more vegetables, you know, very, very simple, guys. It's not that complicated. Good fats, vegetables, and proteins. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science how these guys eat um, at all. So, Usually he'll get, you know, like, you know, usually these guys like to eat in the um, pre-contest four meals a day, maybe five. And then during the off season, if they're bulking, bulking up, they'll get like six, seven meals a day. And they'll add things like, you know, um, they'll add some, you know, a, a cheat meal here and there, you know, they'll have some cheese, they'll have some, you know, ice cream, they'll have something like that here and there. So um, I don't see much, um, much with most of these guys when it comes to cheat meal, but Kai has spoken that he does think that cheat meals help him fill out his body. He likes to shock mm -hmm. his body with those cheat meals and to help his body develop. So he's got those genetics to kind of work on that. So we see that a little bit. Um, I don't see too much food on his Instagram where he's showing what he's eating every day. I see a lot of advertising, especially the past, you know, couple of years, he's advertising his meal plans. He's advertising other companies that have meal plans, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I didn't notice he is hanging out a lot in New York. I'm not sure if he leaves, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if he still lives in New York full time, but he definitely spends a lot of time still in New York. So that is nice to see someone actually like stick to where, where they grew up. So um, stick to their home base, even though he had a rough childhood. I mean, if I had a rough childhood living somewhere, I'd want to get the hell out of there. So yeah. that is interesting that he still wants to uh, stay in the same city that, that he grew up. So that's interesting to me. Let's get into a steroid cycle a little bit, Mobster, and talk about, you know, what are these cycles that they're using to get into contest shape and um, get to their best level? So, you know, the most common, obviously, uh, steroid we see being used, testosterone. Um, they'll use a gram, two grams of testosterone a week. 
The next one they'll use trembolone acetate. They'll use quite a bit of that. I mean, we're talking up to seven, eight hundred milligrams a week. So they'll run trend A's like 100, 150 milligrams every day. Trend is the absolute king of all steroids. If you're not running trend at that level, you're not going to be able to stay up with your peers. It's just a complete necessity. Um, another one, Kai is not shy about bulking. Kai's not shy about filling out his body. He likes that big look. Diana Bowl, 100 milligrams a day. The nice thing about Diana Bowl is the main side effect with Diana Bowl when you increase that dosage is estrogen. You get a lot of estrogenic activity with it. But Diana Bowl, really, overall, it's like the most dummy-proof steroid out there. So if you want to fill out, if you want to bulk, if you want to get that water filling up the muscles, you want to get those pumps, it's the most dummy-proof steroid out there. Literally anyone can use it. So it's an awesome steroid. And then, of course, you want to use aromasin. You know, very, very important to use aromasin to combat that estrogen. And a lot of these bodybuilders, they'll use Letro. Letro is a little more powerful. Letro will kind of slam your estrogen more. So they like to have that control over their body. They don't care how they feel necessarily. What else do you think uh, Kai would have been running? I think what you just said is accurate because we, again, as I mentioned already, he's staying at 300 pounds pretty much all the damn time with his TV film shows, posing exhibitions, whatever else. So I suspect there's going to be stuff like that we've just talked about in there pretty much 24-7, 365. Or maybe, maybe, because we're not talking about a, a guy that's been on stage for a few years. Uh, certainly still needing, and they suggested the article in here, some human growth hormone because he stays in shape year-round. He, he has that separation in his muscles year-round. Maybe he's not crazy vascular year-round, but it'll keep, it'll keep him lean, uh, help with his diet, help with... I mean, this is a big problem with being as popular and as busy as Kai is. Is he going to be able to sit down and do his meals exactly like he should? Is he eating on planes? Is he eating on trains? Is he eating in the back of cars? So you're going to need something, this and maybe Carlerine, to help him stay lean and look good, even if it's just for a TV interview or something like that. You know, you see him in a hoodie or whatever else, and his arms are sticking through there. And anytime you're seeing the top of the chest, anytime you see him training, it kind of comes back real, real, real quick. He's, he's definitely a bodybuilder in terms of the, the steroids that he takes. He's a genetic freak. He's definitely someone who's always been muscular. As soon as, to again put it crudely, his balls dropped and he hit the gym, he had muscles. He had what we would call recognizable muscles. There's photograph him 17, there's photograph him his early 20s. So this is going to be a 24-7 thing for him, Steve. And his response to gear is going to be incredibly good. But more than that, if, especially with the cycles that we're talking about, is his ability probably to respond to it and hold on to muscle with low amounts all year round. I, I, I can't see Kaya's ever coming off. So as you've mentioned already, Aromasin, I don't think we're talking about TRC levels here. I think this is a 24-7 thing for him, whether it's 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 milligrams or something like Cipionate or whatever else. Because of the stuff that he's doing, 100% of the human growth hormone for potential risk and injury and and tissue repair but again as i said the thin skin young looking skin healthy looking which he does seem to come across no matter what he does the gw is an energy thing it's again with everything that he's doing he's going to need this kind of energy but also as a way of staying lean and then finally just for the cycle that we're talking about he has to use some kind of protection so if he was using a product like n2 guard it has to be in there 100 again 
Kai is a genetic freak who could probably do the kind of stuff that we're talking about way better than most other people in terms of not having issues. He never comes across as looking unhealthy or whatever on camera or in interviews. He doesn't even do the breathless thing that some bodybuilders do. So he's always going to have that muscle on there. But at the same token, why does he need to be 300 pounds? No, he doesn't. And yet this is what we're seeing him in, in interviews and TV stuff and, and anything else that he does. A, a five foot eight. So I'm my gut will tell me that he's on something all year round. Now, whether he calls it blasting and cruising or we want to call it that, he doesn't need to blast at the minute. Steve hasn't been on stage in like seemingly forever, but probably for five or six years. So he doesn't need to, to, to get super ripped or whatever else. And I think it's one of those visual things. In video, you can look overly more muscular than perhaps you will on stage, but also it's, it's an expectation now. The fans that he has, the followers he has, he probably takes something just to look good for the people, just to, because they expect Kai Green, the bodybuilder, to turn up. I've seen him looking 300 pounds in, in news interviews on breakfast shows and whatever else. I, I have to see that perhaps he would vary things a little bit through the year. So whether it's trend or, or Cipionate or, or longer acting. I mean, for example, Cipionate, because it's a longer acting Esther, is suggested here because less frequency of pinning, the man's traveling, he's got something he can take once a week or once every two weeks or whatever else, that's fantastic. He doesn't want to be multiple pinning. He doesn't want to be going to different countries and posing and doing a, a promo work and having the jab in different countries and risking possible uh, criminal charges, et cetera, et cetera. And again, something like this as well. I would be not at all surprised if he was going to see some sort of uh, life extension clinic for some of the stuff that he's talking about. We're not talking about underground labs here, Steve. It's, I, my gut feeling is over the counter with a script, and he's probably got someone on the team that uh, keeps him on point with his blood test and everything else. And, and uh, just, just off the topic a little tiny bit for a second, um, when we go back to the food, when we go back to the training, which I've said the training, this is two hours of mindfulness of him training in the gym. The food, which we've touched on in, in podcasts, not just the hardcore, but also online as well, in another podcast, is something that a top professional bodybuilder and a man even just doing what Kai does do, needs to be on point as much as possible 24-7. And the steroid thing as well. There's probably a couple of hours out of his day where all this stuff is taken care of. So he can spend the next 10, 12 hours of the day get, what's the, what's the, Mr. AKA getting it done, getting it done 100%, whether it's podcasts, whether it's interviews, whether it's magazine stuff, whether it's promo work, whether it's posing in different countries or whatever else. I think Kai Green is probably one of these guys that's caught two hours making sure that the food's been prepped, making sure that he's done his drugs for the day, making sure that he's getting his sports massage and recovery, and, and then being, as I said, the, the professional's professional because of all the other activities he's doing. I, I think this is a guy that, unlike me and you, and you're busier than I am, Steve, I bet his schedule's rammed. And this is something almost as the steroids, as probably part of that schedule. You know, he's probably got something down in his, 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 address, his diary or something like that. 10, 10, 15 to 10.30, take, take a medication. It's probably that kind of setup and to get it done. And, and the Cipionate, like we suggested already, is a really nice long-acting drug, used at much higher than TRT levels, of course, but to keep that muscle in there, lower the frequency of jabbing and enable him to travel. Can you imagine him getting arrested by the Indian police or something? He was over there, tens of thousands of Indian fans mobbing him at the airport and shows and You've seen photographs and videos of these guys coming down to the front of the stage with their mobile phones in the air. 
and then him getting arrested by the Indian police in some hotel bathroom because he was sticking a needle in his ass. Not going to happen. So something long acting like this is perfect. You and I have, have answered uh, questions on the forums where guys talk about having the travel and say, it depends what drug you're taking. Either leave it, forget it, PCT, come back, recycle later on, or take something long acting, go away for four days, do what you've got to do and come back. So CPNA here would suit him perfectly. Trent, of course, you've touched on already, king of drugs. This is going to keep the muscle on him. And I think his response to it, he doesn't come across as an angry man, apart from the stuff that I mentioned earlier on with Phil Heath. Mostly 99.9% chilled out. So if someone's going to handle this stuff very well. And you've, you've touched on Debo. I talked about it in, in a forum post just recently, said, fuck for response versus the negatable side effects that you can deal with. It's probably one of the best drugs out there. And it does strike me as someone that enjoys that water coming into his muscles. It probably is not one of his guys that set, I get the sense that he's spilling over. Kai's either in shape or he's really in shape. There's no sort of watery fatness. There's no fault of skin here. So he would be someone that responds to really, really well to his son. But he, that may well mean that the aromacin that we've mentioned already probably doesn't need to be that high. That any um, AI that he uses is probably at a very low level simply because of the amount of drugs that he's using. He needs it. But without that, he strikes me as being a someone who'd look like a bodybuilder all his life, but not the freak of freaks, the, the 1%, which, of course, is the kind of physique that he falls into as it is now. Um, I also, I don't get the feeling he's going to be doing anything stupid like DMP or insulin or anything like that. Again, this is a, you've got to remember, people, to, to, for you to look like Kai, you need to have Kai's genetics. And you won't get to look like Kai doing crazy stuff, whether it's IGF, whether it's insulin, whether it's DMP, whatever else. That's not going to make you Kai Green. You're not mimicking his cycle and becoming how he looks. That's not happening. Go back, like I said already, 17 years of age, looking like a good 5% of any bodybuilders in the gym, he would be better than them already. And I, I think, yeah, I just want to jump in. I don't yeah. think he, there was no way he was using steroids even. In his no, I don't think he was. He wouldn't have been able to afford them. Um, no. He actually talks about in one of his videos that he basically, his first competition as a teenager, all he had at his disposal was fruit and water to... <laughs> As his nutrition, because that's all he could, uh, that's all that was given to him for free. He didn't have access to the food. When you're that age, like where are you supposed to get food from? You're depending on your parents to feed you and he didn't have parents. So, I mean, that's the only thing he could get for free was like old rotten fruit and, and water. And that's how he went in the competition. And he still kicked ass. It's, it's guys, it's genetics, 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 genetics. The steroids are just the icing on the cake. The nutrition is the icing on the cake for him to compete at Mr. Olympia and get second place. He's got to have his diet on point, his nutrition on point, his workouts on point, but him as a teenager going against, you know, um, that type of competition, his genetics was able to overcome everyone else, even though that some of those other people were on steroids, were doing nutrition, had their nutrition, had parents that could hook them up with good nutrition, had parents that could get them a gym membership at a really good gym. So, you know, all this stuff um, plays a role, but his genetics are fantastic. And he seems like, I like his personality. He's a fun loving guy like me. He's always got a smile on his face, always has fun. Um, always, you know, messing yeah, around, no. joking around, clowning around. He seems like a cool guy to hang out with. And I, I think that's why he's got a lot of followers. Some of these other guys that we've done, they seem like just, you know, um, sons of, sons of um, you know, um, rich people who, who I, 
I would hang out with them and like, I would not even be able, they're not guys you could sit next to during the game and, you know, just shoot the shit with, they're just the guys who are completely out of touch with, with most of us out there, 99% of us out there. So he, I'll tell you something, Steve, if I jump back in here, looking at the, the, the uh, show reports, when we talked about his contests and what he did to begin with, what he did later on, it occurs to me that he was natural, probably up to the 17, 18 years of age, with that bodybuilder's physique that I've already mentioned at 17, there's a photograph in the article. You get to, he, was starts, he does well as a teenager, and then he was unable in some way to make the jump from great physique to really, really good physique, to the freak that he is there. And I suspect this was a learning experience, either because he's always been lean, always been muscular, so that would be okay, but it wasn't Kai. It was great when you were 16, 17, 18, and you were competing against 16, 17, 18 year olds, and you won. And, and your posing was fantastic. But when he went from 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, you couldn't make the jump. And it took him like a, I suspect that's when gear came in. That's when nutrition started to be way more on point. And then from there, I mean, the, 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 the Olympia that we mentioned, I believe it was 34, according to that article. So that's that's a long time. If he was competing 17, 18, he was like, that's 17 years on stage to get to an Olympia-level physique. So that's where you can see human growth hormone coming. That's when you can see the dosages coming up. But is he a guy that's using 17 drugs on a cycle? I don't think so. He's just got a guy like uh, Ronnie Coleman, apparently placing at high levels in the Olympia with no steroids. His first Olympia, no steroids. And only when he's hooked up with Chad Nichols, and Chad's talked about this, that, and the other, boom, 300 pounds for each one stage. Kai Green, to me, strikes me in the same way. No he's, drugs, no drugs. He strikes me as someone who would have done that and realized, mm -hmm. hey, this is pointless, or this isn't helping me, it's hurting me. And he go yeah. back to back to using five or six compounds or four compounds. That's what yes, I, yes. That's that how, sounds right. That's actually how I've experienced too in my life. The more steroids mm. I've run, the more I realize, wow, I'm out of control. This is out of control. I don't know what's doing what, my body, the yeah. side effects, yeah. I don't feel as good. So let me back off. And I've actually been able to get better gains. So I feel like that's where he's at because when he was a teenager, he won so many competitions, did so well and killed, kicked everyone's ass just from less steroids. So it would not surprise me you know, with Kai, that he uses less steroids than a lot of these other guys he's competing against. How many times have you and I seen a, 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 a forum post when someone comes on and says, I'm thinking of using these drugs, and you go, well, we don't know nothing about you. You haven't told us what you want to do with the drugs. It's like there's something you found in a drawer and you want us to come up with a recipe. And then you've got guys that have got, uh, without being unkind, no physique at all, and they list 10 drugs. You go, okay, how come is it that... Every, uh, uh, my most recent cycle saw me hit 329 pounds. I tried Halo at the beginning, nothing happened. I tried Anava at the beginning, me, something. D bolt, boom, 329 pounds, 50 milligrams a day. 350 milligrams a week, four or five weeks of that, plus what I'd taken at the beginning. Did what I wanted to do in that cycle, dropped down to 317, which I am right now. Quite happy to take the 12 pounds off, no problem at all. One fucking drug stick, one. And, and, and an AI. And a PCT, N2 guard, N2 generate. Boom, 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 boom. Nothing complicated. Nothing complicated at all. If I've got the genetics to be 300 and something odd pounds, great. So I've got the genetics. So I don't need to use multiple cycles. I don't need to be using 10 different stacking drugs. My gut feeling is with someone like Kai, with his genetics, with his, especially now with his drive, with it, 
the food being on point, the training being on point, him knowing his body probably inside out. And again, 17 years of contest experience with his genetics, he's not drying out for these poses stuff that we've seen. He's not drying out for stage work. He's not drying out for posing exhibitions. Maybe like a little bit of diuretics on the plane on the way over, et cetera, et cetera. I suspect that even if the levels is arguable, the amount of drugs in a cycle is exactly as described. Minimal. Let's, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five drugs. One of those is a SARM. One of those is not really a drug as such. Human growth hormone to look good. Debolfer for because it's probably smashing into it and, and, and filling them up with water, but inside the muscle cells because of your genetics. Trend just because it makes them a monster in the gym and keeps the muscle on his body. And testiaponate quite simply because it's a nice long-acting drug and he's not got to jab himself every five fucking minutes. Human growth hormone you can probably get from any doctor in any place in the world if he just goes in there with a script. And the other drugs, maybe maybe if he travels, he doesn't do debolfer for a couple of days. Big deal. And definitely something to protect himself as an AI, but again, his genetics have done it really well, so very low level. And an N2 guard just for year-round health, et cetera, et cetera. And he almost certainly, especially if he's getting two or three million dollars, as I suggested per year now, got someone on the team sitting in down working for this stuff. I would not be surprised if there's someone at Redcon who knows this stuff inside out. You could just go into a room and have a private conversation and say, mate, how is everything? Have you had your blood test? And in fact, Changing the subject slightly again, this is something actually where really, really big companies have kind of got their shit together. They want their athletes to be healthy. I'm not going to pay you half a million or a million dollars a year and have you have to take time off or end up with issues, which mean you can't pose, you can't do exhibitions, and you certainly can't do promotional work. You've got to go off for three weeks because you've got going and having an operation or whatever else. So here's the thing, right? I would have said there's probably a, a high cost medical insurance Definitely medical stuff that's done pre-signing the contract. Can you, can you show us you've had an examination? Can you show us your most recent blood test and so on and so forth? And in this way, they protect their, their employee. They protect the person they've got under contract. Now, whether it's something that's going to be made public or whether it's an NDA in a non-disclosure agreement, which I suspect it would be, uh, they've probably got someone, even if it's a question of before you sign this contract, can you go and see our doctor? Make sure you're 100% healthy. And you go and see our doctor a couple of times a year. And it's all like you, you pay the doctor 500, he does the medical test and come back and say, he's giving me clean bill of health, bang, renewal of the contract onto the next job. So, yeah, that's something I get there for you people. Uh, this is something I'm guessing at, but if I was in their shoes and I was paying Kai a million dollars a year, I'd probably want to know the same things. I don't want Kai going off on a, or any professional body would never mind Kai going off and doing something stupid with alcohol or recreationals or having health issues that he's not mentioned to me. And lo and behold, I've got a five-year plan for Kai, my company, and boom, I ends up in hospital with some terrible medical ailment that's not been mentioned before, or over these, or does stupid stuff for steroids. And student credit. I don't think Kai is like that. And I and I, my gut says to me that a top company is paying serious money would want to make sure that the athletes they've got on, on the books are in tip-top condition. So, yeah, there's something for you guys. An uh, aspect of professional building that perhaps you're not well aware of. But if you own a company, you was doing $30 million a year, and you're paying one of these guys a million dollars a year, you're going to make sure that your investment uh, is, is good, is sound, and it's protected. Back to you, Steve. All right, guys. So this is a great episode. We'll have another one next week, guys. This was Kai Green. And very interesting character, guys. Really, really interesting mm. character. Episode 144. Talk to you guys next week. Take care.